to kind of let you know where we're headed today, where we're going to be in a few weeks from now. Uh, today will be the final kind of standalone message that I will have. The past few weeks we have been in a uh, couple of standalone messages because I typically preach through a book or a sermon series. Uh, next week is Father's Day and I actually have a dear brother coming as a guest speaker to preach God's word to us as he gets ready to take the mission field. It's going to be a sweet and a special time. We also have special gifts for the, uh, for the fathers and the men in this room and so I pray that you'd be with us if you can next week. Uh, And then after that, unless the Spirit of God moves me in a different direction, I think we're going to start a new sermon series in the book of 1 Timothy. But before we do that, we're here today. And we are here to preach, uh, I'm here to preach, and we're here to gather together to walk through Ephesians chapter 4 to discuss a topic that is incredibly important to me. The title of the message here this morning is Walking in the Way of Gentleness. And I think this is incredibly misunderstood or completely ignored by the church today. But before I get to that topic, I just want to ask you something. I want you to picture this. Now, in my prior career, prior to being a pastor, I was a sportscaster and a writer and reporter. So let's play what if. All right? What if God assigned me to live with you for one week? And I was supposed to jot down everything I heard, everything I saw, and then I was supposed to report on your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. One week, from every hour that you're awake, I'd leave you alone while you were sleeping. If I had to follow you for one week, how would I know if you were a Christian or not, regardless of you telling me? How would I know? You have a week to prove that you're a Christian, but you telling me you're a Christian doesn't count. So I have a chance to witness you and observe you and jot down all of these thoughts and ideas that I'm witnessing to know whether you truly believe in Christ and if the Spirit of God is truly in you or not. How would I know? Well, I would say this. You know, obviously Galatians chapter 5 gives us a list of the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. But I'm just going to speak from my own heart here for a second. Maybe I'm different than some of you because I'm going to speak about one of those fruits of the Spirit And it's the one that I believe is the loudest testimony for Christ on this side of heaven. And that spiritual fruit is gentleness. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you watch the news much. I don't know if you scroll a Facebook feed or get on Instagram. There's nothing gentle about living in the lost and broken and cold and dark world that we live in. But when we're born again with a new hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an ability to respond to that harshness that we see in this world with a gentleness that is deeply rooted in Christ. And again, I think we as the church are having issues with this idea of gentleness in two ways. One, we either totally ignore it, or B, we misunderstand it as weakness. And I want to talk about this here today, and I'll say even further, I'm probably going to make this a whole sermon series in the future because... I left a lot of good gems on the cutting room floor as I was putting this message together. I mean, there are close to 50 passages in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament, and in the New that constantly call the people of God to live with a spirit of gentleness. Here's here's the difference. Here's why this is such a bold testimony. The world has a philosophy, and that philosophy is self-promotion. Okay? It is go out and get what you deserve. It is dog eat dog. The world does not care about you, so why should you care about them? Control what you can control. Do what you can do. Work as hard as you can, as long as you can. That's what the world says. 
every day. And if, you, if you're not up and at them early going after what you think you deserve, then somebody else is going to get it and they're getting it because they work harder than you do. That's what the world says. Self-promotion. And then here's what happens when we get saved. We hit this brick wall called the Word of God and it turns our universe upside down. And instead of self-promotion, Jesus tells us self-denial. It's polar opposite. We no longer seek control. We relinquish it to God. We no longer respond with assertiveness. We respond in gentleness. We no longer trust in ourselves. We begin to trust in God. Now, this is not an overnight type of transformation. That's why uh, it's a continuous present tense mission statement. We are being transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when you are saved, we need to understand this because the church, and I'm saying capital C church, not just Cedar Street, but the capital C church at, as large, we as a church are starting to look more and more and more like the rest of the world. And that is not what God's Word says. So why does, why does gentleness make such a bold statement to the rest of the world that we have a different citizenship? Here's what I believe. I believe that grace is the language of the kingdom but gentleness is the tone in which we express that language. And the world does not know it. And the world is desperate to see it. And if you're a Christian, you are no longer a citizen of this world. You're a citizen of a new kingdom. You've exchanged that citizenship. You're preparing for the world to come. And you know who sits on the throne. And you can rest in His grace and rest in His provision and His sovereignty and His understanding of all things. And you can live a life of gratitude, a life of grace, and that is expressed in gentleness. i got a real simple idea to share with you in one sentence. Christians are called to walk each day in a worthy way that is characterized best by gentleness. There's a lot of fruits in the Spirit, but I'm going to focus on this one specifically because this is how people will notice that the Holy Spirit lives in you and that Jesus Christ reigns over you. All right, I think Paul's going to teach us this as we walk into the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. So, if you want to know how to walk in a way of gentleness, would you join me by turning to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you or beside you. It'll be on page 1161 in your pew Bibles. Again, Ephesians chapter 4. Going to be reading verses 1 through 3, but then showing a lot of Scripture that talks about the gentleness of a person who has the Spirit of God living in them. Would you stand at this time? Out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant word. Again, this is Ephesians chapter 4. I'll be reading verses 1 through 3, and then we'll walk through it together. Hear God's word to us, starting in verse 1 of chapter 4. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let us pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. And we thank you and praise you for this day. Father, it is such a joy to gather together as one body, filled with one Spirit for one goal, to bring honor and glory to you, Father. But you tell us that we express that in one way, and that's gentleness. Father, help me and help us to consider truthfully what this means in a real and realistic way that we can apply to our lives, Father. Help us to know what you expect of us to live with a gentle spirit as citizens of the kingdom of God. 
Father, we, we want to reflect Christ, and right now I'm asking you in the name of Christ that you would anoint me with the Spirit of God, that the words, honor, and glory would be yours, and that your people would be changed. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Ephesians is uh, a little bit different than many of the letters that Paul has written in the New Testament, and here's the reason why. Most of the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, he's addressing problems in the church. If you've ever read 1st or 2nd Corinthians, uh, they were an interesting bunch, all right? They were a few fries short of a happy meal, and uh, we've all walked that path at some point in our lives as well, so we cannot turn our noses up at the church at Corinth because we struggle with some of the same things that they did. It's amazing how times change, but our human condition does not. But one of the differences between uh, many of the books that Paul's written in the New Testament and Ephesians is that he's not addressing a problem. He's simply elevating an issue, and that's one of grace. That's one of grace. And he is showing us that grace is the language of the Christian faith, first in the grace in which we have been saved, and then the grace in which we express that salvation to the world that does not know Christ. And so, let me define grace in my own words, because I always do this. I don't assume that we're using the same dictionary here. And I've preached on grace and heard grace so many times, I've started to mold and shape my own definition. If you have a better one, you can, you can clear it up with me in the vestibule at the end of service, and maybe I'll change my mind in the future. But here's how I define grace in my own words. Grace is God working in us, through us, and for us to accomplish what is required of us, but that we are not capable of fulfilling on our own. I'll say it one more time for the note takers. Grace is God working in us, through us, and for us to accomplish what is required of us, but that we are not capable of fulfilling on our own. All right? You are saved by grace. You continue to grow in Christ in grace, and your response to other people is to show them the same grace that God has shown you. And the way that we primarily do that is gentleness. Now, I'm going to define gentleness in a few moments, but before I do that, I just want to talk about how and why Paul was so focused on grace and then gentleness, all right? Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, that the passage that we just read as we were standing, the first two words, he says, I therefore, all right? Uh, Bible study 101, anytime you see the word therefore, you go back and find out what it's there for, all right? So we go back to the first three chapters of Ephesians. And we start thinking about this idea of grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, here's what Paul says. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So right away, that's a, a foundational pillar understanding of the Christian life. Even if you're a new Christian, you should in some way have this understanding that you're saved by something that you could not do. It is a gift. It is what Jesus did, and you receive it by faith, believing in his perfect life, sacrificial death, supernatural resurrection, heavenly ascension, and one day his second coming. You're not saved by being good. The Bible says no one is good, no, not one. You're not saved by good works. The Bible says our works are like filthy rags in his presence. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ. There's nothing you could do to earn it. By the way, there's nothing that you can do to lose it once you've been born again. It is simply a gift to be received, and when it is opened, it's a part of you forever. But there is something that we have to look out for, and that's the way that we respond to grace. One of the things that it says at the end of that passage, it's not a result of your work so that you can't boast about it. Boasting is the exact opposite of gentleness. It's the exact opposite of humility. 
It's the exact opposite of Christ. So that's what Paul says in chapter 2 of Ephesians, that we've been saved by grace through faith. Well, in Ephesians 3, he takes it further. In verses 7 through 10, here's what he says about grace in the gospel. He says, Of this gospel, meaning the message of salvation, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places that the wisdom of God would be expressed through the church and that wisdom is expressed in gentleness. And then finally, the passage we just read in Ephesians 4.1, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And he talks about that worthy manner being one of gentleness. Now, gentleness is not the only thing he mentions in the passage. He says, humility and patience, bearing with one another in love. But here's why I'm going to zero in on gentleness. We can talk about love as a commitment and an emotion that comes from that commitment. We can talk about patience and patience being a mindset, but gentleness is the outward tone and expression of all of that. Gentleness is how I would know if I was a reporter who stayed at your house for a week. Gentleness is how I would know if the Spirit of God was living inside of you, or maybe you are a Christian, but that's an issue that the Spirit of God is wrestling with you in, because God is is at work in us, and sometimes that's painful as He's making us more and more like Christ. There are some of you in this room where gentleness comes naturally because of your personality, and there are some of you in this room where gentleness is a constant struggle. And it might be because of your upbringing and some scars that are slow to heal. And it may be because of your personality and your calling. You're a very aggressive type A, task-driven type A personality. And, and, and being gentle to someone who messes up your schedule, your to-do list, that's hard. Or someone who challenges your authority when you've got to oversee so many different things, that's hard. But I believe gentleness in some way is difficult for everyone. But Paul still tells us this is the way that we walk in a worthy manner. So the question now is, we know what grace is, and we're called to be gentle, but what is gentleness? Don't anybody leave here today thinking that I'm telling you to be a nice person. You know, Pastor Bo talked for 35 minutes about being a nice person. That is the exact opposite of what I'm trying to say. I don't think anyone has a good definition of biblical gentleness. So let me say what gentleness is not, and then let me say what gentleness is. Gentleness is not weakness. It's not becoming a pitiful person who doesn't, res- who, who doesn't respond in fierce, demanding tone, but just kind of cowers down to everyone. That's not gentleness. It's not fear. All right? A Christian is not a victim. And so we don't respond in gentleness because we're scared. And it's also not avoidance. Gentleness does not mean you ignore the truth if the truth is going to hurt somebody. All right? That's not gentleness. It's, and in a worldly way, I would say this. Gentleness is not trying to be Mr. Rogers or living in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Because guess what? God, before the foundations of the earth, birthed that man to have a gift. I can tell that uh, I never met Fred Rogers, but I watched 50,000 episodes of that when I was little. And I believe God gave him a unique gift of, of being just a gentle soul. But for most of us, we have to work at it through the Spirit of God. So I'm not telling you just to be nice. Here's what I am telling you. Here's what gentleness is. Again, my own definition. Gentleness is intentionally restrained strength 
that offers grace to others as an act of worship for the same grace that has been offered to you in Christ. Let me say that again. Gentleness is intentionally restrained strength that offers grace to others as an act of worship for the same grace that has been offered to them in Christ. That is gentleness, and that is hard. It is hard to respond to people like that when you have been deeply hurt or deeply offended. It is hard. But let me put, let me put an illustration in your mind of what gentleness looks like. It's a worldly example, but I think it has a great translation to our world because most of you know who I'm going to talk about here. If I said the name Jackie Robinson, most of you would know who I'm talking about, right? Jackie Robinson is a man who completely changed the uh, culture in the United States of America in the 1940s. God used him in a mighty and bold and powerful way. And if you know the story of Jackie Robinson, he was a military man. He was a man of order. And he was an intelligent man, went to UCLA. And he was a gifted man. He, was, uh, he starred in several sports. Could have been a long jumper. Could have been a basketball player. He was a halfback on the football team at UCLA. But God chose to allow him to make his mark on the world on the baseball field. And if you know anything about uh, Major League Baseball, it is a tremendous passion of mine. I worked in it in some capacity in the minor leagues for six years. Baseball is our pastime. Now, football may have become the heartbeat of America here in the last 20 years, but baseball marks our history. In a lot of ways, our nation goes where the game of baseball has gone, or at least it has been in the past. And so when there was a color barrier of black and white where blacks had to play in the Negro Leagues and they could not come over to play in the major leagues, that was a tone that was set for the entire nation. And so it was a pretty big deal in 1945 when the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, Branch Rickey, called Jackie Robinson into his office while he was playing for the Kansas City Monarchs and says, we need to have a talk. And he says to Jackie Robinson, I have a plan. And my plan is to bring you to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers. And I know what the rules are, and I know what our country is all about, and this is not going to be easy. But I have a plan, and here's how I think the plan is going to play out. And he explained to Jackie Robinson that for the first several years of his career, he was not allowed to respond in anger to anyone or anybody regardless of what happened. And he was called every name in the book. He was humiliated. He was spit on. He was attacked. His life was threatened. His family was threatened. And for several years... He did not respond in anger. He did not respond in retaliation. And here's the reason why. In that office, they had a conversation. And here's what Jackie Robinson said to Branch Rickey. Mr. Rickey, do you want a player who's, who's afraid to fight back? Rickey responded, I want a player who's strong enough not to. Now, here's how this applies to us as Christians. Jackie Robinson had a worthy cause. Civil rights are incredibly important. And our country would not be where it is today, the greatest country on that planet, if men like Jackie Robinson had not stood up to the ignorance of color division and said, this is not what the world should look like. We need to take down these barriers of hatred. So he had a worthy cause. But I want to make an argument to all of you in this room. We have a cause more worthy than that. Our cause is the gospel. It is the gospel that saves souls eternally that long after the United States of America is just a glint in the eyes of God and this nation burns up with fire, long after all that happens, it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that will save souls and change eternity. And the way in which we express that gospel is through grace and the tone of that grace is gentleness. 
We need to contend for the faith and do so with the same restraint of Jackie Robinson, where when people anger us and they, they hurt us and they and try to intimidate us and they, they, they make a mockery of our faith or even the people in our life that we love the most who know how to push our buttons, that we learn to respond to each other with a tone of gentleness because it's a constant demonstration of the gospel that saves and also the gospel that changes. I'm very passionate about this because I will admit to you it is not one of my strengths. I am struggling with this area and I'm asking for God's help because I desperately want to be seen in the eyes of God as a man who is willing to be gentle to others and I'll tell you why, because I want God to be gentle to me. I don't want his harshness. I don't want his discipline. And I want him to speak to me in the tone that he's calling for me to speak to others. And he tells me in his word, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. To, where grace is given, grace should be offered. So, so I'm not saying gentle, gentleness is easy, but I'm going to walk through the, in the last 10 minutes that we have, I'm just going to walk through the scriptures together, and I'm going to show you all over the Bible where God is telling us that we need to have this restrained strength to offer grace as we remember the grace offered to us. So as we walk in the way of gentleness, one of the first blessings that I think we get when we do this is, number one, walking in the way of gentleness reflects wisdom. It reflects wisdom. The book of James chapter 3, verse 17 says this, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. If people need to see the wisdom of God that is completely different than the wisdom of the world, James says the wisdom that comes from above, that is expressed outwardly from those that have the Spirit of God within, that will be expressed in gentleness. It says that it's pure. It's peaceable. It's open to reason. In other words, it does not pretend that you already have all the answers. It's listening to something that you've maybe not thought of before. And it's listening closely and saying, I want to offer this grace because I still need that grace myself. It's full of mercy, which means it overlooks shortcomings. And it's full of good fruit. It's impartial. And it's sincere. It's not faking it. It's not pretending that you're excited when you're upset. That's not what gentleness is. It's not putting a smile on when you're crushed inside. But it's also not responding in anger. It's not responding in the, in the desire to super control things. It's, it's responding with an understanding that it is God who is in control. And that's the wisdom that he gives us when we are saved. This wisdom admits that we are no longer rulers of our own universe. And we can take a deep breath and say, I can't control this, but God is in control. You know, one of the things that gives me a lot of uh, comfort is when God says over and over in the Word, especially in, uh, in the book of Romans, He says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We're not called to seek our own vengeance. We're not called to retaliate. We're not called to stick up for ourselves and try to make a name for ourselves. In our devotional time a few months ago in the, in the reading plan, something that stuck with me is in the early chapters of Joshua, when Joshua's getting ready to lead the people of Israel, and the people, it took them 40 years to finally follow Moses. And Moses says, I'm checking out. It's my time to go home. And so they're getting ready to go into Jericho. And Joshua's like, well, I don't have 40 years to tell these people to follow me. And God says these words, I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of those whom you are called to lead. You know what that says? Joshua didn't have to stick his chest out in anger or in authority. He didn't have to be uh, some 
insane football coach to scream and holler, follow me, follow me, follow me. He said, no, I'm going to tell them with a tone of gentleness to follow me and God will exalt me so they'll understand that this calling comes from the Lord. Wisdom that comes from above is gentle. So number one, walking in the way of gentleness reflects wisdom. Number two, walking in the way of gentleness represents grace. Again, Grace is represented in the fruits of the Spirit. Most of you know this well. Galatians 5, through 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is the fruit that they're going to pay attention to. It really is. I believe this with all of my heart. When there's intentional restraining of strength to respond with a gentle spirit, it makes people stop. It diffuses arguments. It makes them do a double take and said, something's different about you. You had every reason to get angry with me, but you didn't. You had every reason to defend yourself, but you didn't. How did you, how did you do that? And, then, and that's a testimony to the grace that you have received, and then you can tell them that God will offer the same grace to them. You know, 1 Peter 3.15 is a, a famous passage we talk about in terms of evangelism. Here's the beginning of the passage that everybody knows. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Everybody stops there. But that's not the end of the passage. The end of the passage says, do it with gentleness and respect. That means aggressiveness in evangelism where you corner somebody in a restaurant and say, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? You're you're honoring half the verse and you're denying the other half of the verse. You could have all the truth but no grace to show it. And that is, uh, Dave says, I, I talk about this in the office to the point of absurdity, but grace and truth is who Jesus is. He didn't waver on truth, but he always offered grace. He always offered grace. Spiritual fruit of gentleness shows that we've received grace and then demonstrates that we want to show it to others and that they can receive it too. So walking in the way of gentleness reflects wisdom it represents grace but number three walking in the way of gentleness relinquishes control it relinquishes control this is the key issue by the way people get angry and frustrated and retaliate because they try to control the uncontrollable and in some degree all of us wrestle with that we are reminded every day when we read tragedies that we are not in control of this universe and that we're not promised to be protected from real and genuine pain. That's what we hear. That's what we hear. That's what we know when we watch the news, and that's what we hear when we read the Word. But God is in control. And even though He's not going to shed, or He's not going to protect us from every tear and every pain, we can know, according to Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good for those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So that means even when we are deeply hurt, it wasn't beyond the understanding of God. He's in control. And he may not have forced what you're going through to happen, but he's allowing it to happen because he knows that there'll be a greater good that's taken out of that because of it. And when we learn to relinquish that control to God, it frees us up to be people of gentleness. It frees us up. I read this passage on Mother's Day, and specifically he is addressing women, but there's an application of this to men too because I think men are the one that really missed the boat on gentleness. All right, 1 Peter 3, 4, uh, when, when he's speaking on behalf of godly women, he says, Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight very precious. Now, there's a gentleness that he calls women to that I'm not saying is easy for anybody, 
but is very winsome. We said that on Mother's Day, that there are godly women who have a gentle spirit that win folks to Christ because they are so gentle. But where we miss it is that men sometimes tend to think that gentleness is contrary to masculinity. And that could not be anything further than the truth. All right? The most masculine person who ever walked the face of the earth was Jesus Christ. He was a true man. And by the way, in his vocation, he was a carpenter. He was a construction worker. He had calluses on his hands. He had bruises on his feet. But he was gentle because he was strong. And his control was always handed over day after day to the Father. He says, I do nothing on my own, but only what the Father tells me to do. So we need to learn to relinquish that same control. I mean, think about it. I guess I'm hyper-focused on this now with a young daughter. But uh, Ren's getting into close to that terrible two stage that all of you have dealt with, right? Why do they call it the terrible twos? Because for the first time, children are understanding they're living a life that they can't control. If I take uh, the markers away from my daughter before she's done coloring, the immediate reaction I get is anger because she can't control it. She can't have what she wants. She doesn't yet know that what I chose for her is best for her. She does not yet know the bedtime that Ashley and I decided on her is what's best for her. She wants control. And the same thing spiritually happens to us when we become Christians. God begins to pry things away from our life. And sometimes it hurts. And sometimes we say, God, why are you doing this? Why can't I do what I want? And God's saying, are you in control of your life or am I? And if, you, if I'm in control of your life, here's what I expect. Because this is what is best for you. And this is what will glorify me. And that is why confession, which we do every service, and repentance and then proclaiming what we do believe, the gospel through the Apostles' Creed, is so important every week because we're constantly giving up control and repenting and asking God through Christ to be the Lord of our life. We relinquish control. And by the way, before we get to our final point, you can't do this in your own strength. You leave here today and write on a sheet of paper, I will do this starting now. I guarantee you, you will fail by dinner time. It's not something you can do in your own strength. It has to be through the Spirit of God. Because remember, the same grace that saved you is also the grace that is changing you. You have to seek God and ask for His grace. And those changes are small ones. You know, I confessed to Ashley on, on Saturday as we were getting ready for bed. I was confessing to her how important this is to me. And I was confessing how much I've struggled. And I told her, I'm going to keep failing at this. I'm going to lose my cool when I shouldn't. But let me tell you what I'm trying to do. I'm asking God to work through me to have a gentleness in our home and a gentleness in the church because that, to me, is the true expression of grace. And I want that in every aspect of my life. You know, Jackie Robinson, some of you may know this, he died in his 50s. But look at a picture of Jackie Robinson in his final days. He looked like he was in his 80s. You know why? Because he he internalized all of that hatred And it ate him inside for all of those years. And he tried to do it in his own power. Now, I don't know about his Christian walk or his spiritual faith. I I don't know that about Jackie Robinson, whether he was a Christian or not. And I also know that I could not bear what he had to bear. God puts on each of us what he has chosen for us to bear. So I, I don't pretend that I know what it is to be persecuted like Jackie Robinson. But I will say this. You can't live the gentle life in your own strength. Because Satan is well aware of your desire to do that, and he will find the one thing that will irk you. All right, There's two or three things that irk me, and Satan knows it. And every week of my life, God allows him to poke me and prod me and see how I'm going to respond. And I have failed, and at some points I probably will continue to fail. 
but I'm going to ask God to help me. I'm going to ask him to have a joy in the Lord that is outwardly expressed with a gentle, restrained spirit, that I speak winsome words that build people up, that I speak the truth with love, and I don't waver from it. In the last two weeks of my pastoral walk, I've had to say a lot of difficult things to people who are living in sin, and I don't enjoy it. But I'm not going to back down from the truth for two reasons. One, I've got to face God when I die. Hebrews 13 says I'm going to be held accountable for how I've shepherded the sheep. And number two, as I shepherd, I'm going to make sure that the sheep, if they're wandering, are come back into the fold. So I will say difficult things as your pastor. But forgive me if I ever say them in a spirit that's not gentle, because that is not of Christ. It is not of Christ. Fourth and finally, as we draw to a close, walking in the way of gentleness restores life. Just, listen, just let these words shower over you. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And one that uh, Dave shared with us on Sunday night last week, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This restores life. It shines the light of Christ in the cracks of darkness. It says to the world that we are not of this world. And it shows them a hope that can only come from the gospel. I mean, think about this. Have you ever been in a situation where your soul was being crushed by something and someone offered you a gentle word and it changed everything? It was like drinking that first glass of water when you're in a parched desert or after you preached a 35-minute sermon. (laughs) It's the gentleness that comes from God to His people. If God wanted to be gentle to His people, how would He do it? He would do it through His people. Maybe, maybe I'm just hypersensitive about this because the few people that in my life have been consistently gentle to me, they've ministered to my soul because this life is harsh. It's cold, sinful. It doesn't know the Lord. The church, we do know the Lord and we should be different. So let me sum this up in one sentence. I've been, I've been hinting at this the whole message, but in one sentence I'd say we're called to walk in the way of gentleness because it is ultimately the way of Christ. If you don't believe me, believe Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. We need to speak to the people of God the way that we want the Son of God to speak to us, with gentleness. This needs to be the way of our lives. It needs to be the way of our families. It needs to be the way of our church. A sobering reminder for me as a pastor is this. And those of you who have been at Cedar Street for 40, 50, 60 plus years, some of our charter members, you know this. The people, a lot of the core people stay the same, but the tone of the church goes with the pastor. All right? When you had Jim Wilson in here, a lot of people were doing evangelism. People were getting baptized. When you had Mark Sellers in here, people were getting deep into the word. All right? When you had James Hartley, people were getting through discipleship training. And when you had Casey Shaw, we were going out on Sunday nights and we were doing the GROW program. And now that I'm here, I'm trying my best to implement uh, a lot of those things, kind of the best of everything I'm trying. But if there's one thing I pray about more than anything else, if at whatever time God has me to pastor this church, if there's one thing that I pray marks whatever amount of time that I have here is this, that when people walk into Cedar Street Baptist Church, they say it is a place of grace and truth, that they don't waver from truth. 
That everything he preaches is straight out of the Bible. But that from the moment that I walk into that room, I feel loved and I'm spoken to with a spirit of gentleness. And I'm given the grace that I need to make the changes in my life that I need to make. That's my prayer for our church. That's my prayer for my family. That's my prayer for my own walk in life. To be a person of grace and truth because Jesus was. So let me leave you with some thoughts of application as we get ready to pray out. How do you do this? I just, you know, Bo just told me that I can't go and will myself to be gentle towards others. Uh, I have to ask God. But as you ask him, there are some practical things that you can do. I'm all about practicality. If we don't put these things in practice, then, then you know, why are, we, why are we here? Something I've learned more in the past two months than I've ever learned at any point in my life is this. Being gentle to others sometimes meanings, or means to, to take better care of ourselves. You know, it's a lot easier to be gentle with someone when you had a good night's rest. You know, it's a lot easier to be gentle someone when, to, with someone when you've had a good breakfast and you've taken care of your body or when you've gotten in the proper exercise and, and you're clear-minded and ready to face the day. I'm learning this. Uh, there's such a connection between our physical lives and our spiritual lives that we'll never fully understand. And I, I know that I'm a better husband and a better pastor and a better friend and better coworker when I've taken care of my own self. My life has been proved because I have not done a great job of that. The second is to spend time with God devotionally. So if the first is take care of yourself physically, the second is spend time with God devotionally. The, words telling you what, the world's telling you what the truth that they believe is, but you have to be renewed in what the real truth is. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Romans 12, we've got to be in this or the world will change what we believe is true. The third is we need to remind ourselves of our own need for grace. The moment that we want to retaliate and show Anger towards someone else is the moment we forget how much we still need it every day. And then this one is the one I'm working on the most. Listen closely for the gentle tone of Christ. When you're praying and you're reading the Word of God and you're going through your day and the Spirit of God maybe brings an idea or a thought to your mind, listen closely and hear the gentleness of His tone. That tells me sometimes if it's my own thoughts or God's. You ever had that problem? You pray and you're like, was that me or was that God? Well, there's two things you can know for sure. Number one, if it's contrary to what the Bible says, it ain't from God. Because he's never going to say what he didn't say before. All right? He's not gonna con- he, his word never, is never contrary. If, he re- if it's true then, it's true now, it will always be true. But the second thing is, if it's Christ talking to me, the tone in which I'm listening is going to be a gentle tone of grace. Even in repentance, the tone of Christ is one of, you know, I love you, right? You know this does not honor me, right? You need to turn away from this. You understand this, right? Honor me today, Bo. That was not right what you did yesterday, but I still love you. Confess this to me. Turn away from this, and I will help you to grow in grace. That's the tone of Christ. The, what's wrong with you? You're going you're to struggle with this the rest of your life. You're a deadbeat father. You're an awful husband. You don't know what you're doing as a pastor. Does that sound like Jesus? No. It sounds a lot like me. It's not Jesus. So maybe when we spend time with God, we've got to listen for his tone. We've got to know that he is gentle and lowly in spirit. And he does want to change us to make us more like him. And he'll do it through gentleness. And we'll respond by offering that gentleness to other people. Now, as we enter into a time of invitation, that invitation has been given to every Christian in this room. 
But I want to say for those of you who've never given your life over to the Lordship of Christ, you cannot know the tone of Christ if you have not been saved by Christ. You may know who He is. You may know His good moral teachings. You may know what, who He was in history of humanity, but you don't know Jesus until you have the Spirit of God living in you and you have dedicated your life to His Lordship because you know you needed to be saved. So if you're in here today, and maybe you've sat in a church pew for years, maybe you've actually been baptized, but you know that gentleness and grace, they're nowhere to be found in your life. Maybe today's a day to do business with God. Maybe today is a day to lay it on the line and say, God, maybe I don't know you. Would you forgive me and save me and mark my life as a life that is walking in the way of gentleness? Let's pray. Father, I know that you asked me to preach best what I struggle with most. And Father, I, I, I just feel like Satan's going to challenge me before I even get out of the door today about being gentle in a time when it's not easy to be gentle. But Father, I thank you that you are so gentle to me and to us. Father, would you make Cedar Street Baptist Church and the families and jobs and neighborhoods that are represented in this room here this morning one that speak the language of grace and the tone of gentleness? Father, let, them, let us grow with a spirit-led restraint of what would make us angry and frustrated. And let us respond to each other in love that's felt in gentleness. And if there's anyone here that does not know you, Father, in a gentle way, would you bulldoze their heart and let them know, Father, how desperately they need Jesus and how wonderfully you have made this provision through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Father, let this be a place of gentleness where your spirit dwells. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.